Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about what if episode seven of season one is called What If Thor Was an Only Child. This is Slash Film editorial director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film senior writer and weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? Just work. That just work? <laughs> is it. Nothing exciting at all. It's just been work. And yeah, that is, that is it. Yeah. trying to relax here and there, not really going anywhere because there's nothing to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you, can, uh, you can check that out. On, I, I hear there's a website on the interwebs. It's called SlashFilm.com. I, uh, <laughs> I I took a short trip earlier this week. That's why I wasn't on Monday's episode. I was in in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we went for a day. We flew for a day. Wow! <laughs> to Orlando to cover the opening of a new restaurant in Epcot. It's called Space Two Twenty. I just wanted to mention it briefly here uh, because it's kind of cool and might be of your interest. It's um. 
it's a restaurant where you go into the restaurant and you have to board a space elevator that takes you 220 miles into space above Florida. And the window in this restaurant is overlooking the earth and you can see like space shuttles and things, all the stuff. It, it's very, like, it feels like you're in space. Obviously you're not. It's through the magic of Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, but the, the food is all fancy space food. Uh, dare I say it, Brad, it's out of this world. Uh, uh, this podcast is over. <laughs> Anyways, we did a video about it. It's up on YouTube. Uh, go, go watch it so that, uh, you know, uh, two plane flights in a day of waiting out in the hut Orlando sun to get into this was not, uh, was not a waste of time. Anyways, <laughs> it, in in short, I actually highly recommend it. Uh, but go ch- go check it out. It's it's actually very very cool. But okay, uh, people have not tuned in to listen to that. They want to hear about what if episode seven, and this is titled "What if Thor was an only child?" And I think like leading up to this, we we didn't actually know what the storyline was. We just knew it was the party Thor episode. So yeah, um, so it was cool to to actually yeah, I don't know once I heard the concept, it's like oh that's that's a cool idea. But um, before we get to that, actually, let's start with some feedback. We got one interesting email I want to read. You can always every week you can send us your feedback, your criticisms, your comments, your theories. We like the theories. Send it to Peter at social.com. And Hunter S. from Ohio has written in with an interesting one, I think. He says, it's pretty apparent that the Watcher is getting more and more physically visible. In the early episode, the Watcher was this dark silhouette figure in the cosmos. As the episodes go on, the Watcher is becoming more and more visual. Now we're seeing skin tone, clothing, color, even arms. Even when they show him in the background, I think he might be getting closer to the scene as the show goes on. If I had to guess a reason for this, I would guess it's because the Watchers struggle to be an impartial observer and to pave the way for the future involvement in the show or the MCU. Brad, have you noticed this, number one? And number two, do you have any ideas of what might be going on here? Because it definitely is true. I went back through the episodes, and it definitely is true that he's getting closer and more um, – you can see more of his features. Yeah, I did notice that they started to make him more prominent as far as, like, revealing the details of his uh, his skin and his uh, facial features and things like that. Um, I didn't necessarily connect it to the idea of him – getting closer to becoming more involved, but that's obviously something that we saw, you know, happen within the the frame of the story in the Dr. Strange episode. And uh, just this week, actually, there was some kind of uh, promo released that uh, showed the watcher seemingly getting directly involved with something that was happening and maybe even doing something where he sent like some kind of blast down to earth while something was happening. So that um, I think it's clear that he'll probably be doing something uh, significant there. Yeah. I think even when the show is beginning uh, the voice actor, who's the guy that voices um, the watcher? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, it's, it's, it's Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Sorry. Um, Jeffrey Wright was, I think, alluding to the fact that he would have a bigger role as the series went on. And for me, I just thought, I just assumed that was like, you know, an actor 
you know, trying to talk up his own part in the series. <laughs> but uh, maybe that is the case after all. Maybe he will become involved. But I don't know. The Watchers never get involved, Brad. Like, Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, let's jump into our brief thoughts on episode seven. I'll start things off and say um, that I like that we, with these TV shows, with the Marvel movies, we get to kind of see classic movie genres and TV, you know, concepts reinterpreted through the lens of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with these characters that we know and love and done in like, you know, a way that only could be done <laughs> in a Marvel uh, uh, tint. And this episode is kind of like, uh, you know, the coming of age party movie where, you know, uh, the guy, guy meets the girl. Of course, there's, there's a lot more going on here. There's this big space fight. There's this... Um, there's aliens invading earth um but you know at the end of the 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 movie they got to clean it up or else uh mom and dad will find out that they had a party i don't know i i thought that was kind of fun and there's a lot of fun to be had here with all the characters and seeing you know what they would be doing on earth and the debauchery that they would have but ultimately it doesn't have much of a point for me so i i felt like I don't know. It didn't really seem to add up to much in the end, but it was still enjoyable. So I, I guess that's, you know, I'm not going to criticize it too much because as an entertainment, it, it works. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is it was really great to hear and see lots of Marvel actors here. You know, almost everyone that was in the Thor movies and Guardians of the Galaxy movies were seen on screen here and many of the actors reprising the roles sometimes even like in the silliest small parts that you would never expect one of these actors to like you know waste their time coming back to to, to reprise like even uh clancy brown came back uh, as Surtur, which that was crazy uh brad what is your brief thoughts on episode seven yeah, this was definitely the most fun episode they've done, and it seemed like that they were really just interested in making it an episode that was more entertaining than something that like offered a intriguing uh, concept of remixing something in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It just allowed for a lot of Easter eggs and uh, funny gags, and like you said, a twist on like that the high school movie trope of having a party and then trying to clean everything up before your parents get home. Um, you know, had a little bit of like a, a Ferris Bueller vibe to it and uh, other movies of, of its ilk. And uh, yeah, you know, it's I think this is the, the episode where um, the humor from the writing staff shined the most, even though I thought that there were some uh, gags and jokes that could have been better executed, just had had better lines or where I was just a little disappointed. I was like, I thought that things could have been a lot funnier. Um, and then I, I do, uh, I liked the idea of having Thor and Captain Marvel go toe to toe, seeing how their powers match up with each other. That was uh, a very cool thing to see imagined in, in this series and really what this whole, uh, show is all about, you know, it's the kind of things that we don't get to see in the Marvel cinematic universe with the characters that we're familiar with. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm very intrigued about this movie's place in the larger, uh world of this series because uh it's the we'll get we'll get to this obviously but the end teases something that we've been waiting to see 
And I wonder if that's going to be a big part of what maybe brings some of these uh, anthology stories together um, because it's kind of a, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that later, but that ending comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the episode. Let's go into our breakdown. Uh, so the show opens with Darcy and Jane in a van. They're in the desert. This is kind of like that scene in Thor one uh, and they're picking up signal of some extraterrestrial threat coming to earth. And, um, you know, this is obviously, you know, showing this isn't the point where the universe changes, but it's the point where we learn what this is going to be about. So I do want to say that Kat Dennings and Natalie Portman look nothing like the, the characters look nothing like the actresses. Yeah, Natalie Portman was a little closer, but Kat Dennings, yeah, looked nothing like how she was supposed to in animated form. Yeah, um, I know we keep on pressing on that uh, over and over again, so I won't, I won't linger too much. But like, really, you can't. Uh, I don't know. They seem like they would be. They 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 have characteristics. I think that you could easily capture in an animated form, but it just was not there. Anyways. Um, so we have this whole storybook style illustration showing us the backstory because, you know, uh, Thor shows up with his buddies in Vegas on Earth. Uh, what, 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 or They show this whole like storybook illustration backstory showing how Odin, you know, found Loki, but he actually returned him to the Frost Giants. So in the story, story um, Thor was an only child. And how would that affect the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe? And Brad, to me, that's like a very interesting premise, but this doesn't seem like it feels like the premise was like, let's come up with an interesting premise because we have this whole idea of like Thor having a party on Earth storyline. <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't seem to like like really fulfill the premise. I mean, it does, but just not in the way I think that we're expecting. And like yeah. in, even in the way that the comics did, because this change in the storyline does offer some unique things, especially when we are introduced to uh, yet another variant of Loki in this episode. So, Yeah. Uh, also, Thor in this version, the version that he did not have Loki as a brother, he doesn't have a beard. So in the movies, he always has kind of like a beard. I found like this was a weird choice because this Thor is supposed to be like, I guess, a little bit more, um, you know, crazy i guess you would expect something more unkempt but i guess they already did that with with fat thor <laughs> so yeah i don't know yeah uh so okay thor goes to the party to party in las vegas and he brings some friend friends from around the galaxy and it's it's kind of like earth is the the house in this house party analogy here um yeah. I, I i do have to say that I do love how many characters were in this episode. Like it, it felt like the backgrounds of scenes had not only big characters that we recognize, but even like small alien species that have shown up in the guardians movies. Like at one point um, uh, in one of the guardians movies, Yondu is like seen, um, I guess it must've been uh, guardians one. He was with like a alien prostitute. Some sort of, was that the first no, that, one? That's no, that's two. The second, the second one. Okay, so it's the second one. But the the that alien was like in the background of the scene. Anyways, um, I know we were complaining in the uh the episode that was in the collector's Wait. fortress, and all the aliens like looked the same. It looked like Wait. the five same sculpts. 
Were you talking about the uh, the aliens from the um, where like Yandu was partying with his crew? I don't remember which part it was. There's also the aliens from Adam Warlock's like uh, the, from the beginning of Guardians One. I yeah, forget the, 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 those people's names, but oh no, that's that's also Guardians Two. That's the ones yeah. that, that they try to sell the batteries to, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah, the gold, the golden. Uh, people yeah i just like how, how much effort they put in here like it really seemed like they filled out this world which is weird that they didn't fill out the collector's fortress as much as they should have um but uh the, you know grandmaster is djing uh the scrolls are entertaining thor with impressions uh darcy gets married to howard the duck and elvis uh is the, the one who marries them. Hey, is it just me or did that Elvis look like Kurt Russell as Elvis in 3000 miles to Graceland? It did. Do you think that I, was intentional? I think it might've been because Kurt Russell is voicing ego in this series. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it as like a fun nod to him, especially because that's not the only time he, uh, he played Elvis. He's also um, Elvis in Forrest Gump, even though you don't ever really see him. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know that, or maybe I forgot that. I need to revisit three three thousand miles to Graceland. I, I only saw that when it came out. Is that a good movie? I've never seen it actually. Oh, you've never seen it? Okay. No. Um, uh, Nebula is playing craps at the casino to try to win a new cybernetic eye. Uh, Jane and Thor get complimentary tattoos, science and magic. Uh, what, what was your favorite part of like all this like fun stuff? Um, I liked the background details. Um, I think, I think just like that it felt a little bit, uh, it, it had like a Saturday, Saturday morning cartoon vibe to me. Like there were sometimes in it where I, I was actually enjoying that. It kind of felt, uh, like a, an episode from like a, a, a one of those like nineties animated series, you know, with, with superheroes that didn't take itself too seriously. Um, especially there's even a, a shot that like, I, I feel like had to be Looney Tunes inspired when, uh, Thor gets hit hard by Captain Marvel and he gets knocked into the desert and the scenery looks exactly like the same kind of desert that Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner constantly had uh, <laughs> their cartoons take place in. And it's that's when he hits the ground and there's a big plume of dust that goes around. And it just it really felt like a Looney Tune shot to me. Yeah, there's also that shot that uh, Taiko Atiti, uh reprising his role as Korg knocks Nick Fury out trying to jump into the Bellagio fountain. Yeah. Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I just enjoyed all of this. Um, so Agent Hill is now the acting director of S.H.I.E.L.D. She recruits Jane to help neutralize the alien threat here on Earth. And I love in like the hangover state of this hotel room, we see Rocket Raccoon asleep in the sink. And I don't yeah. think we saw Rocket previously in the Guardians episode, did we? Uh... I, think, I think he was missing in action there. I think you are right. Yeah. Uh, then it's revealed to Jane Foster that this is, in fact, not the first time that aliens visited Earth, that they, it had happened before. And they show her this beeper. It's Cap the Captain Marvel beeper that Nick Fury used to call Captain Marvel when, you know, uh, the snap happened. And uh, I, I love the moment here. It, you're right. The comedy here is a little bit stronger than the other episodes. 
there's the moment where like they press the beeper and Darcy's like, uh, something's supposed to happen. <laughs> like it was like this big dramatic moment. Um, but I wanted to bring this up to you, Brad, is I was talking with David Chen and uh, he, he watches what if, and he does a, uh, podcast on uh his patreon about it and he brought up why would they use the beeper for this situation where there's just like people partying in vegas but they don't use the beeper for the battle of new york well i mean <laughs> like I guess, one seems a lot more serious than the other <laughs> well i guess i guess the way to explain it if you were to try to come up with an excuse is that this is something that maybe is as worrisome as the Battle of New York, but it's um, it's Agent Hill who's making the decision and not Nick Fury. Uh, so maybe Nick Fury wouldn't have used the beeper for this, but he's not uh, in action right now since he's knocked out. And uh, so maybe that's that's why it's used uh, like this a little bit more um, nonchalantly than Nick Fury would have used it. That's actually... Very good, Brad, because I was also wondering why did they knock out Nick Fury? Because they have Samuel L. to reprise the voice. It almost seemed like unnecessary to knock out Nick Fury. And maybe that is the reason. Yeah, I wonder if maybe that like everything, like the way that they choose to deal with it, they decided it would be very uncharacteristic of Nick Fury, especially because uh, Hill is also the one who decides to have nukes uh, on standby towards the end of this episode, just in case Captain Marvel can't keep thor um in line and uh fury was very much against that happening uh in the battle of new york when shield decided to fire missiles on new york in an effort to try and stop the invasion so it sounds like that they probably realized they needed to have somebody who wouldn't who would make these decisions and fury wouldn't have been that person that's another good point are we also to assume that the avengers have not happened in it this universe seem, yeah it would seem like that they're not a thing because uh, they don't show up and you would think they would if something like this was happening yeah okay i gotta give credit where credit's due the animation and design of captain marvel actually looks a lot like captain marvel i think uh they did a good job there um thor and some of his buddies decide to go to france to get some crepes they want some crepes to go to france and um this is when Fre- uh, Frost Giant Loki shows up with his uh, Frost Giant brothers, and he's huge. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because Thor and Loki seem to have more re- relationship here in the universe, the multiverse, that they did not actually become brothers. They actually seem to have more brotherly chemistry than they did in the universe that they were actually brothers. Yeah, they're not brothers, but they're bros. Yeah. Um, but, and I actually really like this. This actually made me wish that we could see some kind of alternate live action universe where Thor and Loki aren't, you know, brothers who are at each other's throats, but like brothers who are cool with each other and, you know, are actually like not trying to, uh, betray each other. I I would have been really fun to see, uh, Hiddleston and Hemsworth, uh, have this together in live action. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Captain Marvel shows up to break up this party and, uh, here we get this, this whole action sequence, which is Captain Marvel versus Thor, which I guess they're kind of answering the question of who would win in a fight, Thor, or Captain Marvel, you know, I, they're both like real, like they're both have God level powers. 
but I'm not sure if anybody is this a matchup that anybody has been asking for. I mean, I guess there was that brief moment in Endgame where Thor comes face to face with Captain Marvel and then uh, calls for Stormbreaker. And it's kind of like this tension filled moment, but it's like a moment. Like, I don't know. I just felt like is if you have what if and you have the possibility of having all these heroes fight each other, is this the matchup you would have chosen, Brad? Um, I mean, not right off the bat, but at the same time, I mean, we, we've seen, because thanks to Captain America Civil War, we've seen a lot of the other matchups and even Avengers, yeah. the first Avengers movie had Captain America and Iron Man and Thor going at it. So I think this is the maybe the most interesting one considering the strength that each of them has and seeing them go toe to toe because they're both so powerful is very interesting. However, uh, in relation to strength, one thing I would like to bring up is that uh, in this episode, we part as part of the the uh, romantic comedy side with Thor meeting Jane and falling in love and whatnot. Uh, Thor and Jane get uh, tattoos that go together, and is Thor able to get a tattoo? Because wouldn't you think oh. that his skin is too strong for the needle to penetrate and and ink him? Hmm. Because remember in um in Man of Steel when they try to take uh, Superman to the hospital because he's been hurt by kryptonite, they try to stab him with a needle and it just breaks on his arm. I didn't even think about that. These are the things that I think about. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good question, Brad. That's a good question. <laughs> and, and and of course that uh, science and magic. That's uh that whole uh, Isaac Asimov quote that i think isn't even actually quoted in thor one the whole any yeah there's something about magic and science yeah, yeah, in, any in technology technology that's a, so advanced is is almost like magic or something like that I'm, I'm butchering the quote so i apologize to all the uh asimov fans up there but um so they go out they go at it in this fight this fight is kind of fun uh thor knocks captain marvel all the way to stonehenge uh, By the way, one of the other Looney Tunes things that I actually enjoyed about this too is uh, when uh, Thor and Captain Marvel knock each other around and you see above the Earth and it has like that old timey vintage map kind of style where it says France and United yeah. Kingdom. <laughs> no, that was great. And uh, they end up in that desert that you mentioned. And I love how this battle, like I feel like even in the movies when they have a big budget, they kind of limit it to like, you know, the fight happens in the warehouse or the fight happens, you know, even the Battle of New York. Like it felt like the fight happened on like one street street of New York. Do you know, what I, mean? Um, I mean, sure, some some movies do it better than others, but you, you have like, uh, you know, people give the Russo brothers crap because, you know, like uh, Civil War, the fight happens at an airport, the Infinity you know, War, I the think... fight happens at the train station or whatever. What and like. You... I, and I love that here you get a fight that actually happens all around the world. Yeah, and actually, part of me wonders, even though it does happen all around the world, the fight also still ha- they still happen in these barren landscapes where there's not really much to disturb, um, with the exception of Stonehenge. But I do wonder if this is a reaction to people um, pointing out how incredibly irresponsible the destruction was in the fight in uh, man of steel with Superman and Zod because uh, Zack Snyder got harangued for that. Um, yeah. I think we even wrote about it of just how much of the city uh, metropolis gets destroyed without any regard for like humans or anything like that. Since then 
a lot of movies uh, that have that kind of destruction have gone out of their way to make sure that you understand that like humans have mostly been evacuated from areas or they happen in areas where there's not going to be a lot of casualties because it's just an empty place that has, you know, plenty of debris to be destroyed and thrown around. So uh, part of me wonders if this is uh, something that comes from that. No, I, I, I do think you are right there, but I, also at the same time, I remember, was it the original X-Men film? It might have been where like the fight takes place at the Statue of Liberty gift shop or something. It's like, I don't know. It's, well, uh, it's the actual needed... Statue of Liberty, but. Uh, yeah, well, part of it's like, I don't know. It just felt so small for like such a big movie. And I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know. Okay, uh, let's let's move on. We're, we're talking about stuff that is not what if here. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it was, it was funny you know, just because of how strong they are. The kind of hits they're landing are these you know, like I said, big cartoonish kind of, you know, uh, punches that where they, they get knocked around the world. So it's, uh, it's definitely silly, but the whole episode is kind of silly. So it works. Yeah. I, I do wish that they were able to cleverly make use of the super, the superpowers in a way, like to me, no movie has captured it better than civil war. In that, like the superheroes being able to like use each other's powers and the, how the powers would interact, like uh, nullify each other, like it's just so clever in that airport battle. I think and, Avengers did it really well too in the Battle of New York. Yeah, um, but I feel oh yeah, especially that one that one shot. Yeah, but I, I feel like here it's n- not as much, but I don't know. Um, I, I understand that they have limitations with it, this. Uh, but in the end, Thor is able to stop Captain Marvel by neutralizing her, by putting the hammer on top of her and then calling her a party pooper. A uh, similar thing was done with Loki in one of the movies at one point, if mm-hmm. I recall. Yeah. Um, I do love the part where Captain Mar- uh, Darcy is talking to Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel's like, Darcy, right now you're running at an eight. I need you to take it down to four. Um, uh, Darcy argues that I don't know why. Why do people not like Darcy? I actually like her in all the movies, and uh, I even like her in this this show. But um, she argues that no one would ever even miss the Dakotas because no one can even tell them apart. And uh, she has the bright idea to call Thor's mom, stop the madness. And uh, that that leads to them doing just that. I uh, it, I guess the next sequence is like Thor and his friends having fun around the globe, defacing Mount Rushmore, using that uh, that bridge in Sydney, the Harbor Bridge, as like a dance floor. Um, yeah, and. Uh, any of that interesting to you, Brad? <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's interesting, but again, it's it's amusing. Yeah. Uh, so Foster was able to contact um, Heimdall and tell Thor's mother what's going on. Uh, just as they're about to fire the nukes on Thor, uh, Frigga shows up via magic protection. Uh, Thor claims he's on Midgard, learning. So she's coming to see proof of his claims. And then we get the moment where, you know, uh, Thor and his friends have to quickly clean up the mess before the parents come home. Uh, and uh, no one wants to stay and help. But uh, Thor 
uh, eventually talks them into helping and restoring the world to normal. And in the process, Thor mistakenly fixed the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which you mentioned Superman. Uh, didn't something like that happen in the original Superman movie? Or maybe it was Superman 2. One of those movies, I think, it happened. Uh, so by the time Frigga shows up, it looks like Thor is leading a study group, and he almost gets away with it, except for uh, his hammer is all partied out when he calls for it. Uh, the end of this episode has Thor asking Jane Foster out on a date. And, of course, they go live happily ever after, as the Watcher says, except for on the horizon – there is a portal that opens up and a bunch of Ultrons show up out of the portal. The leader of the group has the infinity stones in his body and his face looks like vision. Where did this come from, Brad? I, th- I don't know. This is the thing that is most uh, in one of the more intriguing things that we have been wondering about ever since this character appeared on the, the final poster for, for what if before the series premiered, um, because it's, uh, it's definitely vision and he's clearly taking a villainous turn and he has all this armor that holds the infinity stones, with the exception of the one that's in his head. And uh, he has a whole army of basically what seem like Ultron bots, uh, in him so this seems like i wonder if this is if this vision is an alternate version of ultron from another universe that is now hopping across universes and trying to take them over or destroy them and i wonder Uh. i wonder if that's going to be the thing that starts tying stuff together um as that, that ends up connecting the universes as people start to become aware of what this version of vision uh is doing and uh there's there's even more evidence of that because uh when we talked earlier about the watcher um that that shot that i talked about there's also uh, a few other snippets of footage that show um another shot of the gaunt villainous dr strange with thor and they're they're fighting back to back uh and there's another shot with uh captain carter um taking out one of the these ultron style robots with her shield um, and that goes with uh, one of the, the shots that we talked about in the mid-season trailer that has Black Widow on a motorcycle knocking down a couple more robots. So I wonder if this this is going to become like a, a universe-connecting thing. I mean, I think you're right. I I think the thing that rubbed me the wrong way with this, Brad, is that with some of these other cliffhangers, these in-credit scenes, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, these bumpers, like, you know, in the Star-Lord episode where where um, Black Panther becomes Star-Lord. Like, it ends with you finding out that uh, Ego shows up and Peter Quill is there at the Dairy Queen working. So it's related. Do you know what I mean? The events of the show relate to what happens in the end of the bump, like that that end credit scene. Here it doesn't feel to me like the show led to this in any way. It's just like a swerve. I would agree with that. But I also wonder if that's uh, the point maybe of yeah. just having this thing now start to in- invade these uh, universes. And maybe that's the whole, you know, the, that's what they're trying to do. Okay. So uh, we, we were all obviously in speculation mode. Now uh, we have the finale of season one coming up next week. And we do know that there's a season two and they're wait, making, wait, that's not the finale. Is it? This was, this was episode seven, right? Oh, isn't there, oh, is there nine episodes? Yeah, it's nine episodes. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So I am was, completely was, wrong. Yeah, they originally, it was supposed to be 10, but then they decided to save what they came up with for the 10th episode for season two. So there's only nine episodes this season. Okay. So there's two episodes left. So yeah. what are those two episodes, Brad? Um, well, one of them has to be something involving the that version of alternate version of Black Widow we've seen where she's carrying a shield that has a red star on it. And then the finale episode, I'm assuming, is the one where we see all these different versions of characters uh, come together for whether it's to fight this uh, Vision Infinity Stone Knight um, or yeah. what have you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I guess I would assume the next episode involves Black Widow in some capacity. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure what's, what's going to happen here. I also know on the poster it had that... Uh... Gamora wearing like Thanos's armor. Yeah, and she's so we haven't. That, well, she she's part of that um that Avengers assembly that we saw in the full trailer. So oh, so you yeah, think that she still the, also has to appear? Uh, that's whether, probably the last episode. Not, I would I would think so. Yeah, because the only footage we've seen of her is involving that assembly of Avengers. And then there's one other shot where she's like jumping at the camera with her blade, but it's in that same uh, setting. So I think that that she'll be introduced in that episode probably. Yeah. You can find more of all our work at slash You can find this podcast slash daily on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your theories, speculation, feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash and please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.